Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Quote Me, a weekly podcast that seeks to encourage, inspire, and lift you up to be all you were created to be. Words are powerful. Recognizing and celebrating the impact they have on our lives can comfort or challenge us, or both at once. I'm your host, Lindsay Schlegel, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I hope we can honor the truth, beauty, and goodness of well-chosen language, and so glorify God. Let's begin. My guest today is Nathaniel Benversi, author, speaker, director of content for Exodus Incorporated, and the author of the children's book, The Strongest Man I Know. Nathaniel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Lindsay. I am very excited to chat with you. You've got a great quote, um, and your children's book is one that I have read with my kids, four boys and one girl, um, and uh, they ask for it, and they, you know, they, they want to read it again and again. So um, we're going to link to that, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But let's start with the quote, which is from Steve Jobs quoting Albert Einstein, simplicity is the epitome of sophistication. So tell me a little about where you heard that and how it, um, how it affected you. As I was growing up, I really loved watching Steve Jobs. I was a fan of Apple and I would watch every keynote that Steve Jobs gave. And it was intriguing because here's this guy, you know, in his mock turtleneck and his New Balance shoes and jeans on stage. And people are giving him a standing ovation and they're captivated. And all he's talking about is technology, some phone, some iPod, you know, before the iPhone ever existed, I was watching these things. And and it was just it was just so impressive to me to see how he could captivate this audience. And I loved it. And he quoted Albert Einstein here. So you could just say, like, why don't you just quote Albert Einstein if you like the quote, right, that I chose. But I love I heard it from Steve Jobs and he's the one who inspires me. And I was impressed by his inspiration from Albert Einstein. So that's why I chose to put it in his words. Well, so how does that work into the work? Um, that you've been called to do your work with, with men, with Exodus 90. Um, um, and also in, then in the children's book that kind of flowed out from that. Yes. Tell me more, even from Steve jobs, like looking at how beautiful and simple that an iPod used to look or an iPhone does look, there's very few buttons. Right. And people are like, well, why can't I take out the battery and do this? And like, cause it would make it, you know, more full of things. He loved the simplicity. One thing that impressed me the most is hearing his engineers talk about how on the inside, if you cracked open that iPhone, which we can't do as consumers, like generally speaking, right? The inside looks simple and beautiful. And it was his intention and his instruction to his engineers to assure that that was the case. So even something we couldn't see. Yeah. 
had to have this beauty of simplicity to, to reach the sophistication that he was looking for, which is just a real example of excellence in his field, right? And so for myself, like as I look to work with in men's ministry, work with men or work on a written project or a video project or a podcast or whatever, knowing that simplicity is, is a huge key instead of overthinking things or over demonstrating things or getting too nitty gritty on things where men, especially men, they just want it. Like, just, just tell me what I need to do or tell me how I'm wrong here so I can fix this and move on. Yeah. For men, it really works. But then also in the spiritual life, I'm like, okay, I could sit here all day and figure out all the different ways I'm going to like figure this out. Or I could go to the chapel every morning and ask God (laughs) and let him lead me. Yeah. To be there. The, The sophisticated prayer life is simply attentiveness to the Holy spirit. Yeah. And it's pushing, I'm thinking from the, an edit, an editor's mindset, right. When I'm working on a project and I'm, I want something to be uh, simple and sophisticated. It takes a lot of work to get there because there's so much stuff that gets in the way and um, connecting that with the spiritual, spiritual life, right. There's so much stuff that we, so many obstacles that will find their way in over and over again, but it's, it's in pushing those things away and like editing down what we're, what's in our hearts and what's in our minds that we get to that refinement and that distilling what's really simple. Um, so I love that way of thinking about it, that it's not, I mean, I can think of so many ways. <laughs> this is probably not a, a, a connection you're going to relate to, but I used to love to watch Project Runway, um, that show where the designers would make the clothes. Yeah, sure. I can't relate to that. But yeah, yeah, well, there, <laughs> but so often a designer would come up with a with an outfit that was just, there were too many things going on at once. And often because they were doing it in like 24 hours, they're supposed to like create a ball gown or something out of plastic. I don't know. Um, But they had too many ideas and tried to do too many things at once. And they would say, you need to edit it down. You need to edit yourself. You need to check yourself, basically. See what you're, you're trying to like chill out. Basically, you're doing too many things at once and like get to the heart of what you're trying, um, what you're trying to accomplish or express. Um, or in our in spiritual life, I guess, like what you're trying to connect to. Are you trying to connect to God on, um, on your worldly level of there are so many things going on in my life, or simply, like you say, like one on one with the Blessed Sacrament, you and me. Let's just let's just be together, and and that makes such an impact on your life. Yeah. So that time in the chapel, you're saying that's spoiler alert. That's a big part of the strongest man I know. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely is like the, this aspect of prayer, this aspect of intimacy with our Lord, that simplifying of our life, but just being attentive to him. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know what Exodus 90 or Exodus is, can you, can you just explain what that is? I have, I've had a friend who's gone through it, so I've kind of seen it through his eyes, but. Yeah. Exodus as a whole is a ministry to help free the people starting of course with the man or, or addressing specifically men. How do we help men become free from the things of this world so that they can be better husbands, better fathers, or better future husbands and future fathers. Mm-hmm. And we do this mainly through our spiritual exercise. That is Exodus 90. It's 90 day spiritual exercise for men that helps purify them. Yes. But we're even more than that. We got over a thousand days worth of disciplines and reflections for men to be formed after this time of purification throughout the rest of the needed formation that each of us kind of has awaiting in front of us, human formation, spiritual formation, intellectual formation, and apostolic formation. And those things take time. And we built it out to help men be formed slowly, just like the apostles were uh, informed well. And that's something that's so missing in our culture that I think a lot of people don't even realize they don't have. Um, Something that has stuck with me for a long time after 
um, at the end of, of my undergrad, I was speaking with a friend who was a very holy woman. Um, I think she discerned religious life and then ended up marrying. But um, uh, I don't know, the week before graduation, I think I was talking like, what, what, what's next for you? Where are you going to go next? Like, what does next year look like or the future beyond that? And she said, I don't think I've been formed enough yet. And that has struck me for however many years since then. Um, I've never heard anyone else say that. I was, it, it struck me because I wasn't even aware that I needed to be formed. You know, like I had just gone through all the way through high school and four years of undergrad. And like now I was supposed to be done and read unless I went to grad school, like, right. I was supposed to be done and ready to go be an adult. Um, and she did all the same things that she had done all that academic education too, but she was aware of this need to be formed um, that I've never heard. I don't think I've ever heard anyone else say before, but that's what you're speaking to. So how, do, like, how do we recognize that we need to be formed? Like, how did you come to that realization? I think we all kind of know it, but I don't know that we can all articulate it. Yeah, definitely. So certainly what we do is we draw as much as we can from the formation and the, the gift that is the church herself, right? And how does she form priests? How does she form seminarians to prepare them to fulfill their role? And then taking from her wisdom again, like out of Vatican II came these more emphasized pillars of formation that I just mentioned a little bit of go, uh, ago, human, spiritual, intellectual, and apostolic. But those aren't made just for the priestly formation. They're made for all people as well. Mandatory for priests, but made for all of us laity as well. So we might be better human beings, better beloved sons and daughters of the Father. So certainly we can see our need as we look at our children, for those of us who have them, or look in the mirror and just be like, yeah, yeah, in this area, (laughs) that area, like I got a lot of of growing to do. Even that is often neglected and because it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so knowing that we're constantly called to ongoing conversion, we can constantly be in this state of, of being formed, which helps us to be exactly, as I said earlier, more attentive to God and his will, not just attentive in the chapel, which is a great place to start, but formed throughout the rest of our lives that we are more attentive at the kitchen sink, doing dishes, that are more attentive at the office desk, doing our work, wherever we can be attentive to God and his will. And I think that is the response that we need to so many of the the things that we bemoan in society that are wrong and that are messed up. And if there was more of that formation, if we are more formed um, to be the people that we are called to be, if we, if we knew what that was, um, I read somewhere once, and I've probably said it on the podcast before, because it's stuck with me. I stuck with me also that like, if each of us did the job that we were called to basically like everything would happen, there wouldn't be the gaps. If we all if we all actually did the work that God had created us to do, but first you have to discern what that is. And then you have to have the courage and grace to go follow it. Yeah, absolutely. We'd all be working for the common good and we'd have a pretty good world. Yeah. That would be cool. (laughs) Um, How has the work that you're doing? um, I love that it's out and it's, it's, it's focused on the men around you. How has it changed you over time? I mean, obviously you had to have had an experience of coming to this knowledge in your own way to even start developing the resources that you have. But now that you've been doing it for some time, how, how have you seen a change in yourself and in your faith? I know we often talk about big conversion moments in our life, and a lot of us have big conversion moments. Myself, not so much. My dad prayed with me every single night by our bedside. Now, he didn't know anything more than that besides go to Sunday Mass and like maybe pray with your kids, the few prayers that he had memorized. But he gave us everything he had which was that. And so I can say that I've always known Jesus. So I didn't have any huge conversion moments, but I had a lot of small ones. Yeah. One, I, 
yeah, when I was in seminary and I was being formed by these pillars of formation. And by the end of that first year, I was talking to an older seminarian and he helped me realize that I was really wasting a lot of time. And because I was checking boxes, I was saying like, yeah, I'm obedient. I'm doing exactly what I'm told to do. No more. If it was, if I wasn't told to do it, I'm not doing it, but, but exactly what I'm told to do. And I should be becoming holier, right? Like I should be a great man for God, but my heart wasn't in it. My heart wasn't being transformed because I had this like front of like, I'm, I'm going to be a great priest and a great man and check the boxes, Yeah. which yeah. I mean, my example of only doing what I was told to do is a great example of how my heart wasn't there, wasn't moved right. in the right way. So that was one certainly example of that. And then another one was a gal called me up when I was a focused missionary and she just wanted to be inspired for herself. And she said, Hey, um, how do you pray and fast for your students? And she heard smiling <laughs> on the other side of the phone. And I said, I guess I, I mean, I'm praying a holy hour every day, but I really, at the time, I was really doing it for me and not for my students. And I would like generally say like, and God, I pray for my students today, our father right. who are in heaven, like, okay, but not much more. And she like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, to mean to like offend you. I kind of just thought, assumed you were, but I wasn't. And so there was another opportunity and moment of conversion. I'm super grateful for her uh, for making that phone call and asking that question. Because who else is asking that question? Yeah. I mean, like, how are you praying and fasting for your children or for your coworkers or for those in your community? That's a question we don't really ask each other on a, on a regular basis. And so that was a good moment of conversion and then allowing myself to be really formed more from there and living this life of daily prayer, asceticism, acts of self-denial, like fasting uh, and fraternity, people holding me accountable. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I often talk about the fraternal bit and how that's not as um, accepted in society or, you know, there's too much you do you and not enough of, I think really knowing how to correct someone with charity, you know, whenever there's been a moment where one of us has felt like we needed to do that, it starts with prayer and it starts with discernment and probably confession on our part first and making sure um, what we're bringing to the other person is really in their best interest for the glory of God. Um, and I, you know, the other thing that strikes me about what you said is being a woman and being a woman who's on Instagram, right. I often see, um, especially around mother's day, like spiritual motherhood, we're talking about spiritual motherhood and we are all, all women are mothers and totally true thousand percent, but I hear less. And I think I'm starting to hear more, especially with the year of St. Joseph about spiritual fatherhood and how we're all, uh, how men are all called in the same way that women are all called to be mothers in one way or another, men are all called to be fathers in one way or another. Right. And it's not, well, you didn't find someone to get married. So you should be a priest or like you have this priestly quality. So you shouldn't be a husband, like the same, the same attributes in certain ways that are going to make you a good father are going biological, adoptive, foster father are going to make you a good priest. Right. It's about being a man in the fullness of what a man is called to be. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I I love even the aspect of Mary saying to Jesus, you know, when they found him in the temple, like your father and I were worried about you, your father, who's his father. Right. And of course he talks about that too, but Mary calls Joseph, the man who didn't give, you know, procreation here, his father, because he served in that role. Yeah. How have you seen, I guess, I guess my last question for you is then what, what has the year of St. Joseph meant to you? This is like kind of the stuff you've been working on for a long time. And now the church is putting a pretty big focus on it for this past year. It's a gift to be able to focus on men's ministry every single day, for sure, uh, here at Exodus and my day job and in my other work, like this book itself, The Strongest Man I Know. 
but this year of St. Joseph was just like an elevation of that even more. Like we were already, you know, praying this prayer to St. Joseph and asking for his intercession here in our office, but being able to enter in more fully and now have easier conversations, easier points of access, easier ins with other men who are now more alert because their priest is preaching about it or because other men's groups are talking about it. They're more alert to like, oh yeah, okay, well, I guess I should probably change my life. And we're just like waving our flag big orange flag. Look, we can help you. It's going to be really hard. Yes. Really successful too. And we got the stats to show you all about it. Like we'd love to help. So it's been, it's been a gift to have St. Joseph on our side, if you will, going before us to these men uh, and then us following behind. Like your spokesperson for the year. Right. (laughs) Really great point. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Well, we'll have links to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for hanging out today. This was great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Listeners, as always, to suggest a quote or a guest, follow the show on Instagram, quote me underscore podcast, or contact me at my website, lindsayschlegel.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review wherever you find your shows, and tell a friend. Until next time, God bless you. This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you.